Well, good evening. And I uh, always appreciate getting to come and hang out on Wednesday night when I get to come. And um, Hoyt does such an amazing job teaching. Um, I'm, I always uh, miss it when he's here and doing what he's doing. And he's been going through First John. And we're going to take a little break from First John tonight um, as God has been really leading me through uh, some challenge to uh, things I struggle with. Um, and specifically, um, my new daughter-in-law, uh, who is an amazing young woman, at one point we were hanging out sometime in the last year, and she commented that she reads a Proverbs every day. There's 31 Proverbs, and there's 30, usually, well, 28 theoretically to 31 days each month. So reading a proverb every day works out pretty good, and if I forgot yesterday, all I need to do is remember today is the 28th, and so I read the 28th proverb. Um, but one of the, there's a lot of wisdom in Proverbs, um, and what I think I get most out of it is there's always, or frequently at least, a significant distinction between the wise, prudent person and the fool. That's really the, the distinction that's made a lot. And uh, one of the areas that is very, very clearly demonstrated is by what comes out of our mouth. Um, and I think, again, that's something that I certainly struggle with. Um, if you knew me well, or you know my wife, um, sarcasm can be very much one of my native languages. Um, my children enjoy sarcasm. My wife is not sarcastic at all. In fact, I think at one point she used sarcasm and myself and our three kids were so stunned we weren't even sure how to respond. Um, and potentially sarcasm can be okay, but it can be dangerous for a number of reasons and we're going to talk about tonight. So let's pray. Father God, we just again thank you for this evening and thank you for loving us so much. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word, God, and yet you give us everything that we need God, here on earth, Lord, between, again, the example that you set, the example we have in the Word, the guide map that we have in, in, in the Bible, Lord, is just so amazing. God, and we have followers and brothers and sisters in Christ around us also that also help us, Lord, and we have your Holy Spirit that indwells us, Lord, and we have so many opportunities to just trust and follow you, Lord, and, and tonight, God, you would just open up your Word to us, you'd give us open hearts, open minds, and just would guide us in the direction towards you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, um, that's going to be the focus tonight. And so just to open it up, I thought I would just go through a number of lists. And if you want to follow along, and we could have started earlier, but we're going to start in Proverbs 10. And I could almost do this sermon by just reading scripture and not giving you any of my opinions because... The scripture speaks so strongly on this. So we're going to be skipping through, but we're going to be starting in Proverbs 10, verse 8. The wise heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Proverbs 10, 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. Proverbs 10, 32. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked, only what is perverse. Proverbs 11, 9. 
with his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. Proverbs eleven twelve, A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. Proverbs 12, 6, The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Proverbs 12, 16, A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Proverbs 12, 18, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 12, 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but delights in men who are truthful. Proverbs 12, 23, a prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of a fool blurts out folly. Proverbs 13, 3, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 14.3, a fool's talk brings a rod to his back, but the lips of the wise protect them. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.2, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Proverbs 15.4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 15.23, a man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. Proverbs 16.23, a wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 17, 20. A man of perverse heart does not prosper. He whose tongue is deceitful falls into trouble. Proverbs 17, 27. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. Proverbs 17, 28, probably my favorite one I'm going to read. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent, and discerning if he holds his tongue. Proverbs 18, 2, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Proverbs 18.6, a fool's lips brings him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's innermost parts. Proverbs 18.13, he who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We could go on, but I think we see the gist through Proverbs of mostly Solomon warning us about the power of speech, the power of our words, 
and the power of what we say and do. Um, I think, again, uh, anyone like to quote the children's rhyme we all grew up with that's not true at all? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And I don't think there's anyone in the room here that would agree with that. And in many ways, I think you heal better from a... You know what, I, you know what happens? If I break my arm right there, you know what I can tell you absolutely? It'll be healed in six weeks. Bones heal in six weeks. Well, unless it's in a certain place where there's not adequate blood, blood supply. But if you hurt someone with your words, how long does it take to heal? Never a long time. So the, the, uh, the children's uh, proverb, which I think was made up by their parent to try to help their kids get through harsh words, um, is not true. And honestly, you, I think we can all agree as well. I think social media has made this dramatically worse. Because it's, it's, it's even a little harder to eye-to-eye, nose-to-nose, be rude and disrespectful when you're in the presence of someone. On social media, you can say and do whatever you want, and, and, and the ability to hurt and destroy um, uh, is very easy. Um, so the, what we're going to focus on a little bit tonight is going to be James chapter 3. Um, and they have in the, uh, in the title here, Taming of the Tongue. So James cha- chapter 3, verses 2 through 12. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Um, so, question is, so, what is, is it really the tongue that is the problem? Right? I mean, so, if we cut out a tongue and someone can't speak, is there still an issue? Probably, because it's really what we want to say and, what, and it's a focus of our heart. Um, and that's exactly right. Um, and a great scripture that really talks about this is Mark chapter 7. And let me flip to that. Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone who, and understand this, nothing outside of man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. 
After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on and said, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of a man's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. And so, again, as we're talking about speech, it's not literally, it's not literally the tongue organ that's the problem. It's kind of like when Jesus also said, you know, when he was preaching and said, hey, if your sin, if your eye is causing you to sin, gouge it out. And if your hand is causing you, your right hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. For it's better for you to enter heaven maimed than to not get to enter heaven. So it's not the hand, it's not the eye, it's not the tongue. The problem is what's going on in our heart, because that's going to be a reflection um, of the outflow of the heart. Um, and again, that list that he said in verses 21 through 23 is pretty long in, in Mark. Uh, again, briefly to say it again. For, for within, out of men's hearts, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, and arrogance, and folly. Pretty broad list. And they come from what's inside, not outside. Um, and again, most of these bad behaviors, or many of them, are going to certainly at least manifest themselves in how we speak and how we talk to others. Um, so speech is tied into if not all, at least most of these. Um, so let's go back to James and kind of walk through it a little bit. So beginning in verse 2, it says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. What does that verse suggest? By the way, I love questions and interaction, but what does that verse suggest? Nobody's perfect. It also suggests our speech is a bit of a litmus test, isn't it? This says, if a man is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. And I'm not, I think we can all say there is no perfect man or woman. But it is a test. And if you can listen to your speech and see what you're saying and how you're communicating, it is a reflection of what's going on in your heart. And I think that's what, what James is saying here. Um, and verse 2, you know, basically says, you know, again, if you're able to keep your whole body in check, he is a perfect man, uh, is able to do that. Um, and again, I don't think anyone is perfect. We know that only Christ is the only perfect man, lived a perfect life, but we should be looking more and more like Christ all the time. Um, next verse says, when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal um, that is really kind of giving a reflection that, you know, if you, certainly in a horse, if you control the mouth, you can control the whole creature, right, the whole being. Um, I think that is a bit of a reflection for us that if we can control our speech and we can let God control our speech, it is also going to help the rest of our body and our, the rest of our life be a little more uh, in reflection of what God desires it to be. Um, next statement says, uh, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by a strong wind, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Any thoughts on what that's a reflection of?
the rudder is kind of the uh, controlled by the pilot to allow the ship to where it's, it's supposed to go. The rudder is not certainly by itself. It's not determining where the ship is going. You have a captain, you have someone in charge that is using that small rudder to help direct the ship. And again, we get to hopefully allow God to control our tongues and to direct it, not to let our tongues control us or to be thrown around by um, the randomness of a storm or, again, what our life is, is uh, teaching us to. Again, the, the tongue is an anatomically quite small part of our body, but it can be pretty loud and it can be pretty harsh. Um, and the power of tongues, as we talked about earlier, is very, is very strong. Um, if we skip down to verse 5, it says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a false small spark. We can all relate to that a little bit more with all the fires burning. Um, and it doesn't take much to get a fire going. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire. Um, I think that's a pretty amazing uh, description of the tongue being a small part of the body, but being able to cause so much problems. Um, what I would suggest is um, the tongue is reflecting what's in the heart, and when, when the ability of the tongue to set the whole course of, a, of our life on fire, that's quite a visual picture. Um, and I think we can think in situations where we've been struggling in a relationship with someone else, whether it's at a job, in a personal relationship, in a marriage, in a family, and we're maybe not sure how exactly to respond. Um, and then we say a word or a statement that's terrible um, or hurtful, and it's in essence like throwing gasoline on the fire. Almost never say never, never say always. You ever taken a true false test? Never and always, always means false. But almost never is silence going to get you in more trouble. Once in a while, silence can be not good if someone's asking you something. But inappropriate words is exactly like what this is saying. It's able to set the whole course of his life on fire. Can anyone think of examples in their own life when they've said something and it took something from maybe somewhat bad or moderately bad to really bad? I know I can raise my hand to that. Um, and again, um, truly, I think most of us can think of times when our whole life was lit on fire by the words we have spoken. Um, uh, moves on down to verse 7. Um, it says, All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Um, so the comparison that James is making here is with the right training, with the right ability, with the right patience, we can train animals, right? We can train dogs. You know, most of us have been to SeaWorld and watched them do animals or things at a zoo. So with proper training, proper time, and patience, some pretty amazing things can be done with wild animals, but our tongue is not one of them. No man can tame the tongue. What God is saying and what James is saying here is our tongue is going to cause us harm, is going to cause others harms if it's not controlled by the Holy Spirit and by um, God. Um, and that is a, defin a definitive that I think most of us have experienced. 
Um, and again, James would say it's impossible um, to please, uh, to tame the tongue without God's help. He goes on to then to give the contradictions in, in what, how we respond as humans in verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's image. On the, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. If you were to ask James if someone is speaking and they can both be praising God and then cursing their brother who made in God's image, what would you suspect James' opinion would be of where that person's heart is? That they're mostly a, someone following after Christ who reflects Christ or mostly falling short? I would say yes. I would say again, if we're doing both, the default is going to be to the negative. Does that make sense? You know, if you're truly loving your neighbor, if you're truly loving God with all your heart, you're not going to be able to speak that way. So if you're able to praise in one moment and curse in the next, there's something wrong. There's something that's going on that needs to be dealt with. Um, and that's what James is pointing out very strongly. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And that's obviously... Um, uh, an answer that he would say, no, they can't. You're either going to have a spring that has fresh water or you're going to spring that has um, salt water. You can't have both. Um, do we believe that there is consequences for our speech? Any thoughts on what the consequences of our speech is? Broken relationships? If it's bad. Anything else? Matthew 12, beginning in verse 33, Jesus is speaking. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That's a pretty profound statement by Jesus. Um, and it doesn't mean there's not forgiveness. It doesn't mean they're not, we're not saved by grace. But it does mean that Jesus very strongly expects us to reflect him in our life. And again, we will be, I tell you the truth, that men will give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. And again, what this needs to do is really help us reflect uh, how we speak in a variety of different situations. I think some of us on Sunday mornings, speak really well. I think some of us in our Bible studies speak really well. Question always is, how do we speak when it's just our spouse? How do we speak when it's our children? How do we speak when someone's being difficult in a difficult situation? How do we speak when someone else is speaking unkindly to us? How, do we, how does our heart respond in all of those situations? Um, and again, um, 
you know, it's a reflection of our, who we are in Christ and what we have created to be. Um, so we've been talking about the challenge. James is identifying all the challenge. Um, and so what is the solution? Any thoughts on, on what we can do to fix the inside? Because that's the problem. The problem's not our speech. The problem's not the tongue. So what, what is the solution to this problem? Absolutely. Do you have any verses that might reflect that? Because you're leading right into James, uh, James 1.19, um, which is perfect. It says, brothers, please take note of this. Each of you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. By the way, that's a verse that I memorized a long time ago because this is a challenge for me. But I love the active verb that Christ uses first, which is be quick to listen. Many of us think listening is a passive activity. We sit there and we listen. It's not a passive activity. People that I know that are really good listeners, my wife would be one of them, um, and I have several other people. Brandon actually is a phenomenal listener. Um, they actively listen. They're listening to what you're saying. What do many of us do when we're listening? I know what I do frequently. What's that? How I'm going to answer, what my response is. That's exactly right. They're speaking, and I'm not really listening. I'm trying to say, you know, so, you know, so being quick to listen, Christ James is saying you need to really actively listen to what people are saying. Um, slow to speak. Doesn't say don't speak. It says be slow to speak. And what's the third? Slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So, perfect, Eric. That's awesome. Um, what else is a good answer? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and where does self-control kind of come from? Holy Spirit. And I would argue that many of the times what we're really trying to do in any specific situation is justify ourselves, prove we're right, hold our... So, one thing that helps us become even more self-controlled is recognize I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to be right. I can trust that God will do that. That's exactly right. Pray for, the, pray for self-control and the ability to have a control on your tongue. Anything else? The tongue is a reflection of your heart, right? So one of the key things that we need to be doing is working on the heart. Um, some thoughts there in Philippians 3, Actually, it's Philippians 5, excuse me. Philippians 5, 8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So again, filling your heart with whatever is Noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Think about those things as opposed to what we're inundated with moment after moment on social media and other places of divisiveness, of negativity, of all the different awfulness that comes across our media, which, quite frankly, we as humans tend to fall to anyway. We don't need help. Also in Galatians 5, It reminds us, 
that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery again. And down below in 13 through 15 says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, if we are truly recognizing that we're free from our sinful nature, we're truly trusting God in the Holy Spirit, and we're truly choosing to follow that single command of love your neighbor as yourself, how effective are we going to be of speaking harshly with our tongue? It will be eliminated. And by the way, in verse 15, it says, if you keep on biting and devouring one another, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. I think we can all think of situations where there's been coarse language, coarse speech, uh, divisiveness, and I think that's a pretty good description of what happens. If we keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. I mean, I think we're all seeing that a little bit in our country right now and in a variety of different situations of the biting and the devouring that's occurring. Um, also, one verse that um, early on in my marriage and in youth ministry that we all memorized was Ephesians 4.29. And it says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building others up uh, according to the needs that it may benefit those who listen. So that's a verse to really think about. Do not let anything come out of your mouth that is negative. Be consideration, considering what the need of the other person is. Be considering what the need of the situation is. And again, is what you're saying benefiting the other person? Um, by the way, this doesn't mean that we don't occasionally speak strong words. You know, I, I think we need brothers and sisters in our life that speak truth to us. But that's, that's spoken out of a desire for our best. That's spoken because they love us as a brother or sister, or we love them as a brother and sister, and we're desiring a, a health and healing for them. So it doesn't mean that it's only, oh, hey, good job, or hey, okay, you did right. Um, so, Dan, were you going to say Yeah, uh, and again, um, the reality of it is I think, I think we all fail in our speech at times by saying something that we didn't think through, by speaking abruptly, by speaking out of our own hurt, by responding to someone who's tried to hurt us and we're speaking back. You know, all those are reasons and excuses we use for frequently responding harshly. Um, and I will absolutely confess that I, I struggle with this. I struggle with, you know, responding in... Uh, overly defensive ways in, in a variety of situations, but it's something that God continues to work on me. And again, to go back to James, no man can tame the tongue. No woman can tame the tongue. It's only God that can do it. And, and our walk with Christ is going to be a reflection in our speech as it's a reflection in our thought life, as, a, as, a, as it is a reflection in how we live and how we love and how we serve. So my encouragement to you tonight is 
memorize one of those verses. James 1.19, which is my brothers take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, or slow to become angry. Or the Ephesians 4.29, um, which is the one, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Um, and I think that is my encouragement for you all. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll go to our question and answer session. Father God, we just do thank you for this evening, and thank you for loving us so much. God, we just, again, thank you for your word, and thank you for just gathering us together as your church body. God, and we just desire to reflect you, Lord. We desire to love you, and we desire to love those around us, God. And we do pray, God, as we walk through life, that you would allow us to truly be quick to listen, God, to be considering what people say and what their insights and what their thoughts are, Lord, and that we would be slow to speak, God, and we would slow to become angry. God, we just pray that we would always be looking with your eyes, that we would love what you love, God, that we would only hate what you hate, God, and we would always be desiring to bring our brothers and sisters and people that don't know you towards you, Lord. God, always allow us to be prepared to give a reason for the hope we have, and again, allow us just to always trust in you and follow you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.